welcome everyone to Strongsville Christian Church. This is our third week of our fasting class, and I do have another medical benefit of fasting video for you. Fasting, quick disclaimer, you may want to consult with a health professional first. This might be especially relevant if you're pregnant or have a chronic illness. So but the benefits of fasting for 72 hours have more to do with literally growing a new immune system. Well, here's some benefits. Number one, it'll boost your white blood cells. But that includes the macrophages and the neutrophils, which are phagocytes. So they clean up debris. They also kill off viruses and bacteria using different chemicals. And they basically go around and eat different pathogens. And then we have the enhancement of the T cells, but especially the T regulatory cell. Another name for the T reg cell is the T suppressor cell because it suppresses an overactive immune system, as in a cytokine storm, as in a situation where you have way too much inflammation that's causing a lot of collateral damage. So fasting strongly suppresses inflammation. This cultural obsession we have with constantly eating isn't backed by any real science and probably does more harm than good in a lot of cases. It's important to note that all of the effects we've mentioned thus far continue as the fast is prolonged past the 48-hour mark. Also, fasting will help enhance the weapons from the white blood cells. So that way they can fight stronger because there's nothing worse than sending out an army without their weaponry. So if you want to enhance your immune system, you definitely want to start doing periodic prolonged fasting. Now it also decreases something called PKA. I'm not going to get into the woods with what that compound is. All you need to know is that this compound needs to be inactivated for the stem cells to be activated. And stem cells are the things that are recruited from various parts of your body, especially the bone marrow, to start to build a new immune system. And last but not least, fasting kills old and damaged white blood cells through a mechanism called autophagy. So when you fast, you turn on this mechanism and it goes after all the white blood cells that are inefficient, that aren't working, that are taking up space, and it actually cleans all those up so you can uh, create space for the new white blood cells. Now, for example, most researchers agree that the fat burning effects of fasting peak between 12 and 16 hours. In much the same way, studies on autophagy and fasting reveal that the peak levels of autophagy occur between 24 and 36 hours of not eating. That part about eating all the time is not good for you. Try telling that to my Italian grandma and see how quick she kicks you up out of the house and never let you back in again. <laughs> you can't go over my grandma's house and not eat all the time. And uh, but but, you know, one of the things I cut out a lot of that video, obviously, one of the things that they were referencing is that like our ancestors and like caveman days per se, that the human race was originally not used to eating all the time the way that we are now that we were more like hunting for our food um even imagine before we were um before we even had guns you know we were hunting with like harpoons and stuff you know and fishing and so the food came it was a lot harder to get food the way it is now you know the mcdonald's was not always around you know you had to go out and you know process your food and hunt it and so Things have changed a lot, and um, there are consequences to that. So, and there's also 
benefits as what these doctors are saying from fasting and some of them some of that was repeated from uh the the uh second class and the first class about the stem cells but uh what what wasn't shared was about the white blood cells being uh released and even uh cleansing cleansing like a lot of um viruses and even um you know different diseases of what they were saying so and this is not just one doctor this is the same information by lots and lots of doctors and it seems like there's a unanimous agreement that fasting if not helps diabetes it cures it because i think what, what they were saying is that um you know it's uh, certain types of foods that are being eaten that cause diabetes anyway so when you stop eating it only makes sense that it starts to either help it or alleviate it and then also with same thing with um arthritis they were saying uh any type of inflammation that people have struggle with is caused by certain foods trigger that inflammation which would also by default make sense that when you stop eating food in general it would reduce inflammation so it's just almost like basic logic but they they go into like the cells and everything which is really interesting my this is my advice um my advice is that when we're praying and fasting, when you pray and fast, have a spiritual goal. Have a reason why you're praying and fasting. What is the reason for it? What is it in your life, either about yourself, someone that you love, someone that you care about? It could even be like um, what's going on in Florida. And that's what I said was one of the reasons why, as a church, we were going to come together and pray and fast. We're also going to pray and fast for those that are in Florida. You know, sometimes we just get focused on what's going on in our life and our family. Well, think about what's going on in Florida. There are people that lost homes, lives, um, their jobs are permanently gone. Um, so there's a lot of people in different parts of the world that as a Christian, we can fast on behalf of them as well. So have a goal. Uh, my opinion and my advice is plan your meals before and after the fast. So, in other words, before you go into the fast, um, I'm not going to say the person's name, but there is a certain individual who wanted to start his fast with pizza and end it with uh, Taco Bell. So, you can do that. You know, I'm not mad about it. But, it, but as far as health-wise, it might not be the best thing to... Uh, prepare your body to go into a fast, uh, nailing a pizza, uh, a greasy pizza. And I love pizza, believe me. But to go into the fast with that's the last thing you eat and then breaking it with Taco Bell, um, you know, introducing your body with food, you know, might not be the best thing. So if you can prepare your body to go into it and um, to break it. And of course, this would be pertaining to like a three day fast. In my opinion, if you only do a one-day fast, I don't think it matters uh, what you do before and after. It's one day. But if you do more than one day, I think it's more crucial that you plan your meals before and after. Um, then the third thing is, um, and again, this is my advice, plan a busy work schedule um, that includes prayer, preaching, and praise. So before you go on the fast, plan your day out so that way you're not just sitting at home all day uh watching cooking shows and facebook i want to destroy facebook they, i'm telling you it's like they know i'm fasting and they're showing me all these cooking videos and and you know 
There's another person I know that lives with me. I'm not going to mention her name. But I looked on her phone, and she was watching all these cooking videos. I'm like, honey, what you doing? And she's like, oh, nothing. <laughs> she switches it. But um, same thing with me. I started seeing all this stuff was um, uh, coming across my phone while I'm fasting. That's not what I need to look at. I say that to say this is that if you can have a busy schedule, you're not thinking about eating the whole time. It's like you're self-torture or self-infliction. So if you're not thinking about, um, if you're not doing anything and you have an idle mind, it's going to be harder to fast. Rather, if you plan something productive through your day, um, like just for example, for us, Wednesday, we had to work all day and we were busy and then we closed the day with church. That's an ideal scenario. If you could do something productive at your home or at work or somewhere, even yard work, something productive to keep your mind uh, occupied, but then also uh, include prayer, hear the word being preached, and then praise, praise music. And now you're amplifying your fast according to a biblical standard. Amen. Otherwise, like Deacon Frederick said, if you don't include prayer, preaching and praise, then it just becomes a diet. And that's not our goal. Amen. Although they did say on that video that fasting is one of the number one ways to lose weight as well. So it definitely and I think he said um, the first 12 hours, um, 12 to 24 hours was the maximum peak time during a fast to lose weight. And then after that, the weight loss, you'll still lose weight, but the peak time starts to decrease. And they were also saying that with health-wise, health benefits are the peak first and second day and then even Thursday, that when you start to extend it, you still get benefits, but they decrease as the extension is from what, I would, what, I, what I've been researching. All right, fasting is not about getting everything we want, but aligning our life to everything he wants. Amen. So fasting is not like, a, 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 you know, it's not like God is a genie in a lamp and we just rub the lamp and we get every we, we put our three wishes in and, you know, he gives us everything that we want. So that's not what fasting is. Amen. It's not to say that we can't get everything we want. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we can't. Uh, I'm not saying we is necessarily that we won't get everything we want, but it's not automatic. Amen. Fasting is not a genie. I should have put that as the point. Fasting is not a genie in a lamp to get everything that you want, but it's to align your life to everything that he wants. Amen. That should be the number one goal of fasting. And, and then I'm going to give biblical background for this point. Amen. And 2 Samuel 12, 16, it says, David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of the house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. So here you see a story of David where he messed up. He messed up, royally messed up. Bless you. He messed up with Bathsheba. He messed up with his right-hand man, that the uh, soldier that was uh, winning wars for him, fighting on his behalf, going front-line battle, risking his life, sacrificing on the front line. And he had that man's wife. He cheated with her. 
committed adultery. He messed up. He sinned against God. And then he had his husband murdered, her husband, Bathsheba's husband murdered, right? And so now Nathan comes to him and says, that child's going to die. So what he does is he goes to the ground and he starts fasting. But look how he's fasting. Look, compare the way that David is fasting versus how we fast. You know, we go sit in a jacuzzi for two hours, you know, <laughs> and we fast. See, he fasted with his whole heart, his whole soul. He went on the ground. He made him. He was a king. And, and a king status with all the resources of kingship, he denied himself food and he went on the ground and he refused to eat. Right. So that was a fast fast. But with God, there are cause and effect. There is cause and effect. There's reaping and sowing. He, his cause was that he sinned. He committed adultery. He murdered. And the cause was what he did. The effect of that did not change with his fast. So sometimes in life, when we do certain things, when God predestines for it to happen, it's going to happen no matter what we do on our end. But I believe, like what David said, he said, who knows whether God will show me mercy. Just because there is a cause and effect does not mean that we should not Go before the Lord to ask him to block that effect. Because he can. And sometimes he will. But it's not automatically guaranteed that God is going to do everything we ask on a fast. It's not guaranteed. Now, from everything that I read that were in, the, in that box right there, it's my opinion that everything in there was according to God's will. Amen. Everything that this church prayed and fasted for and wrote in that box, I believe everything is in alignment with God's will. I believe that, right? So we have to trust and believe that God will do it. Amen. We have to believe that. But th th that does not mean that God is going to override the other people's will. They still have free will. Amen? They still have free will. So, so when we know that we're praying and fasting according to God's will, we have to trust and believe that God is able to bring it to pass. He's able to put the family members and those that we prayed about, he's able to put them strategically in a situation where it draws them to him. We have to trust and believe that he's more than able to do that. Amen? Amen. So, again, here you have a situation. David fasted and he prayed. He made himself uh, humble. He went on the ground. And the elders witnessed it. And it says that he did not eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. Now, here's the thing. David fasted for seven days. 
How many have fasted? That means he ate no food, nothing, for seven days. He gave his whole heart. And here's the thing. I don't know this. I don't know how long he would have fasted for. If that child did not die on seven days of him fasting, I don't know how long David would have fasted for. What if the child didn't die in seven days? What if the child made it to three weeks, four weeks, 10 weeks, 20 weeks, and then died at 20 weeks? See, we don't know. But we know that David was willing to fast seven days all the way up until the end of the child's life. That's how committed he was. See, that shows me, and I believe it shows God, that he had a repentant heart. He repented of his sins. You see, and and we can... We can do things in our life where we know that we sin. We know that we messed our life up. And fasting, it's not, and let me make this very clear so that I'm not misunderstood. Fasting is never a way to atone for your sins. It's never a way to cover them up. Neither was it in the Old Testament or in the New Testament a way to be forgiven for your sins. It never was something to be forgiven for your sins. But that does not mean that it's not a sign or evidence of you repenting to God for your sins. In other words, I can trust and believe that Jesus forgave me of a certain sin. But that doesn't mean that I should not, even though I'm already forgiven for that sin, does not mean that I should not go on my own initiative to fast and ask the Lord to hold back the consequences that are rightfully owed to me because of that sin. Because God's grace and mercy endures forever, and God can. He's not obligated to, but he can hold back consequences from happening. And every situation's different. Because this same scenario could have happened and probably did happen another time since then that's not written in the Bible in someone's personal life, and they could have fasted and God could have spared the child. We don't know. Amen? But even in me and my wife's personal, private battle that we were going through, we even came to the Lord in this way. We said, Lord, now I believe we didn't do anything wrong at all, and my wife for the most part, she believed the same thing too. But, I, but our opinion was that even if we totally messed up and that battle for the, that we went through for the last two, even if it was totally our fault, Lord, we ask for your mercy anyways. We ask for your grace anyways. We, we want your hand on this situation, even if I did mess up. Because let's be honest, sometimes as Christians, we do mess up. Sometimes as Christians, we mess up, we make mistakes, we fall short, and we're not striving for that. The Bible says, be ye perfect as I am perfect. Be ye holy as I am holy. Uh, without holiness, no man will see God. That is what we strive for. But in that striving, sometimes we get in the flesh and we mess up. We sin. And it's at that point we need to know that we do have a merciful God who is 
worthy and willing to forgive us of our sin. Amen? But that doesn't mean that there will not necessarily be consequences as a result of that. So I really appreciate this story in the Bible about David fasting and his attitude. His attitude, of course, it was horrible when he did those sins, but his attitude after he repented, I believe, is a template to the way that we should live our life as a Christian when we repent. And what to do after we repent. When David repented, he didn't go back. You don't hear another scenario where David did the same thing again. Let the church say, he did not do the same thing again. Which means that possibly as a result of the baby dying, that alone was enough of a consequence that he learned his lesson that he didn't have to go back. Well, what about the baby? If God was so good, why would he let the baby die who was innocent? Well, let's look at it this way. Sometimes when parents shoot up heroin, sometimes the, the baby dies because of the negligence that the parents do. Again, that goes back into cause and effect, reaping and sowing, amen, which is part of our life. So it says, on the seventh day, the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then? Someone hit my timer over here. Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him and did not listen and did not listen to us. How then could we say to him, the child is dead. He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Fasting is a humbling way of asking God to bless our mess and clean up what we messed up. Amen? It's, fasting is not a way to be forgiven. You, there are a lot of religions, they incorporate fasting in their religion. That does not mean they're going to be forgiven for sin according to our Bible. They can fast for 30 days, and if they don't get their sin under the blood of Jesus, that sin is a stain on their soul, and there will be eternal consequences of it. Fasting will not clear that up. But fasting is a humbling way of asking God to bless our mess and clean up what we messed up. Let the church say, 2 Samuel 12, 20, it says, Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his house, his own house, and when he asked, they set food before him, and he ate. 
Then his servants said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but then the child died and you arose and ate food. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return unto me. In other words, David was saying, I can't bring the child back to life. It's already over with. So why should I continue to fast? Because the matter is over. That is a good template for us as children of God to make sure that what we fast for, we're not fasting for something that's already too late. And we need wisdom from God and an unction of the Holy Spirit to know what's too late and what's not too late. Because there are some things that we might have given hope up on, but God didn't. And there may be some things that we think are not too late, and God said, no, that's too late. So we really need to go before God on each particular scenario because they said that it was too late for my grandma. She had stage four and said she had one month to live. They said it's already too late. She's already going to die. There's no hope. It's past the fact. That's what they said. I went before the Lord. I prayed for eight hours in the attic of my grandma's house, and God gave me a vision, and he, God healed my grandma of the cancer, and she went on to live. So we have to go before the Lord when we pray and fast we know what to pray for and what to fast for. And he said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Fasting is not a genie in the lamp to get everything we want, but it's a way for us to align our will back with God. And if you see this scenario right here, that's literally what happened. God did not honor what David wanted, but he spared David's life. And David aligned his heart through that fast for seven days. He aligned his heart back to God. And it was a rough road ahead of him. But guess what? In the end, he prevailed. And he still ended up having another son. Even though that child died, God blessed him. He got another child, even through Bathsheba. The mercy of God, which was Solomon. And the Bible says that God loved Solomon. And he blessed him and made him one of the wisest men in the world. Amen. So that tells us that we should not strive, we should not never use this story as leverage to go out and commit sin. The Bible says, shall we continue to sin so that grace shall abound? God forbid. But if we've already messed up, we use this to understand God's forgiveness and his mercy. Let the church say amen. Fasting improves. Dig it, Frederick, you okay? Okay. 
Fasting improves the fruit of the Spirit in your life, and fasting is evidence of the fruit of Spirit. Okay? Fasting improves the fruit of the Spirit in your life, and fasting is evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Okay. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you know that it takes the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control, it takes that particular fruit in order to fast? But then when you fast, you get self-control. But you need self-control to fast. But then when you fast, you get self-control. And thereby you go into a whirlwind of self-control through fasting. And it blesses and it leaks out and bleeds out into the other fruits of the Spirit. Because you cannot have love if you don't have self-control. You can't have joy if you don't have self-control. You can't have peace if you don't have self-control. You, you certainly can't have patience. If you don't have self-control, you need self-control for all the other fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit's work together. It says, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and with its passions and desires. And at this time, I'm going to have Deacon Frederick come up and share his part three of prayer and fasting. The Lord, and one of the things that I believe that fasting does, it makes you love him even more. Because he just reveals so much to you. He reveals how much he loves you. You start to think of all the things that could have happened in your life. And even the things that did. And you wonder, how is it that I was not destroyed by those things? How did I lose my mind? How did I turn into a just a uh, wretch? You know, why, why? Why was it that God was able to still transform my life? And it's because the power that he has. Amen. So to start off today's class, I would like to touch on can I and should I fast for other people? And that is very important and I love that Pastor mentioned how, you know, part of the reason we are praying and fasting is for those people um, in Florida that went through that, that horrible hurricane, hurricane. And not only that, but we are fasting, you know, on behalf of our family. And we all have our requests. Some of our requests are for us. And then other requests are for other people. And I believe it can be a confusing thing when you think of fasting. Sometimes you, some people may not know that they're able to fast on behalf of somebody else. But the answer is yes, you certainly can and you certainly should. Amen. It says in Deuteronomy 9, 13, 9 verses 13 through 19. Furthermore, the Lord spake unto me, saying, I have seen this people. And behold, it is a stick necked people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from mine from under heaven. And I will make thee a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mount 
and the mount burned with fire, fire, and the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, ye had sinned against the Lord your God, and he had made you a molten, and had made you a molten calf, and ye had turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord had commanded you. And I took the two tables and cast them out of my two hands and break them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first 40 days and 40 nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water because of all of your sins, which ye sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. That's that cause and effect pastor was talking about. It says, for I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. So this is Moses letting these people know, letting these people know about the conversation that he had with God. He fasted, said 40 days, 40 nights, and he fasted on behalf of his people, of those people that the Lord placed him over. And it wasn't that he did anything wrong. When you look at the story of Moses, it makes you almost really appreciate the struggles or the hardships, the irritation that pastors go through. Because Moses, I don't want to say he was a perfect leader, but I mean, he led the, he opened up the Red Sea in front of their face through God's power. He led them way to way. Every time they doubted him, he would prove that God was true in his life and that he was sent from God to do what he was doing. And even then, they turned against God and turned against him. And it just makes you really think like, man, <laughs> that has to be aggravating to deal with. But he didn't have any spite towards them. He didn't have any hatred towards them. He didn't say, you know what? Y'all don't want to listen to me, so be it. I'm saved. <laughs> if I was to die right now, I would go to heaven. But he fasted on behalf of them and in fact the Lord was saying I will I can destroy them and give you an army mightier the Lord was ready to bless him with better like forget these people they they hard-headed they stiff-necked they won't turn but but Moses he fasted and he prayed that the Lord was merciful even upon them and because of that it says he hearkened the Lord hearkened unto Moses. So we definitely should be fasting not only for ourselves, but our fast should be for other people as well. And you can fast on behalf of yourself and other people at the same time, but I believe it's important to separate the two at times. Where one day you can fast for yourself and then another day your complete fast has nothing to do with you. It's all for the sake of somebody else. I believe that is powerful. So what are some of the reasons and benefits of fasting for other people? One is we plead the blood of Jesus 
over people that don't have the favor of God in their life. One another thing is we may be preserving life for another person or maybe even blocking a catastrophe. And that first scripture kind of outlines exactly that. There were a lot of people who I know who have said that they were actually surviving off of the prayers of their mothers or the prayers of their grandmothers. Why did they say that? Because they realized they were living a wicked lifestyle and that God was angry at them and that God could have at any point destroyed them and they could have went to hell for eternity. But they saw God had mercy on them. That mercy was not because they repented. So why is it? Why is it that God would have mercy on somebody who did not repent? Because we learned that mercy is obtained through grace, but it's accepted through repentance. We cannot be forgiven of our sins if we do not repent. But sometimes people who are unrepentant, we can actually pray and fast on their behalf and we can hold back the wrath of God that was getting ready to destroy them or a catastrophe that was getting ready to enter their life. And like Pastor said, it's not guaranteed that we will do that, but it's definitely in the realm of God's power that as we fast for other people, we can cause him to have unusual mercy on them where they actually deserve to be destroyed. God blesses our act of humility and selflessness when we fast for someone other than ourselves. We know that the scripture says it is better to get or is more blessed to give than to receive. Fasting on behalf of others takes more humility and power, but also gives us even more humility and power. And when we fast for other people, we can fight the enemy in ways they cannot fight him. And I'm going to get into a couple of these points. When we fast for others, we can fight the enemy in ways that they cannot fight him. Says in Mark chapter 9, verse 26. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him and was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. But when and when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Amen. I just find it funny because I had this scripture and another scripture and I was supposed to use the other one because I already used this one. But nevertheless, when we fast for other people, we can fight the enemy in ways they cannot fight him. So it says that that spirit cried out, rent him sore and came out of him and he was as one dead. And then Jesus resurrected him. But before he died, Jesus, Jesus was able to cast demons out. 
Jesus was able to do this because of prayer and fasting, as the word says. Now, I find it interesting, not only that the disciples could not cast it out, but think about the fact that that person who was possessed, they could not cast it out either. They did not have the ability or the power to cast it out of themselves. But because they were around Jesus, who was already praying and fasting on a regular basis anyway, he had he possessed the power to rebuke those demons and make them flee from him. And when we fast and pray, we will have that same type of power. We will have that same type of authority over the enemy. And it's really amazing because not only do we have the have the power to rebuke the enemy from our life, but we have the power to rebuke the enemy even in other people's lives as well. We have the power to block attacks that the enemy has set up. We have the ability to block snares. A lot of times it's through our own words. A lot of times, even through our prayer and fasting, I've learned something is that the Lord is teaching me verbally how to better talk. <laughs> I said that really chopped up and messy. But one of the things I've noticed is that God is improving my vocabulary with my wife, meaning there may be things that I've say, said to her. And to me, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I just said it. I know exactly what I mean by this It's not anything but the way I delivered it just did not seem the way I intended it and I've noticed that the Lord has been bringing to my attention my verbiage and it's not like he says oh hey uh you were saying this no it's as it happens it's revealed to me but it wasn't revealed to me before I was praying and fasting I say that to say this that through your prayer and fasting God will give you the right words to say to someone that can change their mind, that may turn their life around, that may cause them to really think, what must I do to be saved? But you don't know what to say. You have no idea what to say to somebody. But when you spend quality time with God, he will give you those exact words at that exact time. God blesses our act of humility and selflessness when we fast for someone other than ourselves. I'm going to read these two scriptures. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 9 says, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. What does it mean to have a bountiful eye? What is the scripture saying when it's saying, if you have a bountiful eye, you shall be blessed? It says, for he giveth his bread to the poor. That means that when you have the type of eyes that you're not always looking at yourself, you're not always looking at what you can get, what you can gain. But when you have the eyes of the Lord and you are looking at people and you're wondering how can I be a blessing to them how can I give to them in a way that it would please God how can I be used by God in their life that would edify them spiritually when you have a bountiful eye it says you shall be blessed 
That means when we stop thinking about me, me, me all the time, and we consider other people, not only will God bless us materialistically, of course, and he'll bless us with this and that because we're helping other people, but I'm talking about it does something in the spiritual realm. That as you fast on behalf of other people and you are making supplications to God saying, Lord, please do this in their life. God behind the scenes is working out things in your own life while you don't even notice. The same way they don't know that God is working in their life through your prayer and fasting. It works the same way. And one of the things I do want to mention that God just put on my heart is that one of the things we really should be doing, prayer and fasting, is for our pastor. Not because um, he necessarily needs our fastings, if <laughs> you want to call it that. Be because just, be, just imagine, if it's already blessed to fast on behalf of our loved ones, how much more blessed is it to fast on behalf of a man of God, called by God, to preach not only to preach but to pastor the lord's sheep you're talking about a whole nother realm of blessings it says in luke chapter 6 verse 38 give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet with all it shall be measured to you again one thing I want to add is if you do fast for somebody, it shouldn't be night and day from when you fast for yourself. What I mean by that is if I'm fasting on behalf of something in my life and I'm crying out to God all day, I'm on my face and I'm just, I'm just crying out to God, I'm seeking him relentlessly, I'm just in my word, I'm constantly praying the entire day. If that's the way I'm going to fast for me, guess what? That's the way I'm going to fast for you. I'm not going to shortchange my fast because it's not something for me. And we should all have that same heart, that same mind that as we fast for other people, if anything, fast even harder. Fast even fervently. Pray even more fervently. Because the more you do for other people, the more God will do for you. And we are not necessarily doing this for people we are doing this for God the reason why we evangelize and why we want other people to be saved is not even necessarily for them but it's because we want to please God and what pleases God is for everybody to be saved everybody to be delivered everybody to be set free and that power is in our prayer and in our fasting Fasting reveals things to us about ourselves that we never noticed before. Have anybody felt that way during these first three weeks? Have you felt like God has been showing you? It's like he's putting a mirror in front of you. And you try to look and he's following you with the mirror. You trying to turn your head away. You try to turn around the other way and he's just following you with the mirror like, nope, look, look. Fasting reveals things to us about ourselves that we may have never noticed before. This is one of my favorite scriptures in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. It says, put on the whole armor of God 
that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now, this is off of the topic. This is not continuing the topic of fasting for other people. This is just fasting in general. One thing that I've noticed is that God has been revealing things to me about me. And it's not things that I always already knew all the time. It's things that I did not even realize that I did. Habits that I didn't even realize that I had. Sometimes the Lord will reveal superstitions to you that you didn't know you had. Sometimes the Lord will reveal to you that maybe there might be someone or something in your life that you have placed over him. And that has been hidden from you. But then when you pray and you fast because the power of God is amplified within you, he will start to reveal things to you that you may not have seen before. But this scripture, I love it because it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Oftentimes, when you read this scripture, you're thinking about fighting the devil in the world. Because it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So automatically your mind goes to, oh, someone... Uh, arguing with me or someone attacking me someone angry at me and I'm not gonna fight against them I'm gonna fight against the spirit within them and that's good shouldn't be fighting against people even when they attack you when they're mean to you whatever it may be because you must realize it's, it's never personal it is spiritual especially when someone has no reason at all to dislike you and they just hate you that's when you know that you know that they have a demon and they need to be delivered and set free. And it's important also to know we are not just wrestling um, against spiritual wickedness and other people. But part of the reason we fast and we pray is to be purged. To be purged of everything that is unlike God. And if you are going to go on a prolonged fast, that is the main reason why you should. It's because the more you fast, the longer you go, the Lord is purging you. He's purging out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. He's casting out things that were ungodly, unholy, unrighteous, unfruitful, slothfulness. He'll start to cast those things out, worries, doubts that you had that has lasted years. He will start to cast those things out because he's purging you. Why? Because you're seeking him. You're turning away your flesh's desires and you're pleasing the Lord. And the more you do that, the more he will purge you of your sinful nature says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand or to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. 
One thing I realized, too, I was noticing that Pastor was sharing. A thought came to my mind when he was talking about, you know, the preservation of life through the fasting. How it will actually help you, um, help your immune system, help fight against certain diseases, help you. And ultimately, literally can prolong your life. And I thought about it because I used to wonder all the time, God. Why did the people in the Bible live so long? <laughs> and we just live <laughs> so short, which obviously to them, it, it didn't seem that long. It probably seemed short to them, too. Life is always short. But why is it that these people were living hundreds of years <laughs> and we just live in what? Like, we don't get to 100. Most of us, most of us get to like 70, 80, nine, maybe 90. But we don't live that long. It's because if you look at the lifestyle of the saints of God and how they lived in the Bible, how often they fasted, how much they fasted, how dedicated they were to God, it was different. That's why a lot of times you see some of the miracles that was performing. You'll wonder why, man, why was God doing that type? Because they lived differently. They didn't have, and, and part of it was because maybe they didn't have as much um distractions as us with the television with the media and things like that I don't know but all I know is they were more dedicated and they fasted <laughs> they fasted and you see as a result look at the lives look at the way God was blessing them but you shouldn't have to always look to the Bible to see the blessings of God you should be able to look to your own life and I'll tell you this of a truth that the more you fast and you pray before God the more blessed you will be. This is not the reason why we do it, but it's just a common result of it. Amen. This is the last point I will be sharing for today. And before I do, I just want to say something. God is just, oh my God. God is just so good. He's amazing. His power just makes no sense. You know, as I was coming here today and I um, was getting ready to go, I was fine all day. The moment it was about five minutes before it was time for me to go to leave and come here, I got this horrible cramp in my stomach. As time progressed, I literally every minute, it just got worse to the point where like when I was walking out of work, I, I was like, like taking toe steps. I was like I was <laughs> like walking a toe at a time. And I'm thinking, like, why like, why am I hurting like this? I never feel like this. I mean, I don't eat plenty times, even on accident, and I don't feel like this. I'm like, man, and it didn't, it didn't, it didn't feel like hunger. It is just straight up cramping pain along the middle of my stomach, and it didn't go away. I asked the Lord to heal me. I said, Lord, touch my body. It didn't go away. And I believe it was because the Lord wanted to see me press through the pain and do the work of the Lord. And the reason I say that is because when we were singing, before you guys came, when we were rehearsing, I could not hardly sing. I was letting my wife take over most of it, and I was singing in a lower tone, like bare tone, because I didn't, I was trying to save my voice, because when I was singing, it was hurting. It was literally hurting really bad. But when praise and worship started, I didn't feel anything. Actually, it, I don't know if you even noticed, but partly through the praise and worship, it's like my voice 
projected out even more through the power of God. I didn't feel nothing. That was when I thought about it. And I'm like, wait, where's that pain? And it made me so happy. Then I'm like, oh, I belt it out even louder. And then eat. But then after I get done, I sit down. I'm listening to Pastor the Pains there again. And I don't I didn't think I would be able to speak today. But I get up here and look at what God did. I don't I, I don't feel nothing right now. I feel perfectly fine. Jesus Christ. So this is my last point. When God's word reveals what's in our heart. Rather than denying what he shows us or excusing what he showed us, fasting is the best time to repent before God. Now, I'm not saying your fasting replaces repentance, not saying that it is the repentance, but I'm saying when you fast, if you were in sin, that is the best time to repent. Because when you are fasting, God is the nearest to you. It says, call upon the Lord while he is near. Seek him while he may be found. When we seek the Lord, he is moving closer to us. So as we repent of our sins and we say, Lord, forgive me, I'm going to fast before you. Tell the Lord, I want you to purge me, God, of everything unlike you. I, I want to be a church, like you said, without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. Lord, I want to be holy as you are holy. Let the Lord know that as you go into your fast. But when God starts to reveal things to you about you, when he shows you that mirror, don't keep turning your head and making him follow you with the mirror. Just look at it, face it, say, this is who I am, but this is not who I'm going to be tomorrow. Or this is who I was, but it's no longer who I am today says in hebrews 3 15 while it is said today if you will hear his voice harden not your hearts as in the provocation provocation means like you're egging somebody on you're egging somebody on so god is saying he's not showing you yourself to make you mad because people will do that people will try to point out your faults with evil malicious intent to make you feel a certain way or to get a certain reaction out of you but that's not true with God when God is revealing you your wrongs your faults even in areas you may have thought you were right completely in it's not like a ha ha he he uh he's not trying to uh beat you down he's trying to build you up and it says in second Chronicles 7 14 if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He says, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Amen. Christian Church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me.